0: Before we get to the podcast, March has arrived and we are only weeks away from the big tournament. Yes, that tournament. Make sure to head to Bet Online and open an account today to get in on their $100,000. Bracket Madness Contest starting March 15th. I really have to hone up on my NCAA basketball uh, knowledge fairly soon if I'm going to get in on this. That's right. I said $100,000 and March 15th. You don't need to be hardcore to get in on the action. And with multiple entries available, it's this season's best chance to cash in. And remember, NBA and the XFL are still going strong. MLB is coming up. So whatever your passion is, BetOnline is the place to be for all your betting needs. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner, BetOnline, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use that promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for your 50% sign-up bonus. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. what up what up everybody this is double g for the fight game podcast john and i are back second show this week we're talking about aew's revolution show and uh for you know it was almost four hours of wrestling john how are you feeling after that oh i'm feeling good i you know um it was a
1: good moving three and a half hours it was almost four hours but it i'd like that they actually ended it didn't go the full four. I mean, it was there for them, but I'm glad they didn't, they didn't go all the way. And three 3.30 was perfect and fine. It, it could have been actually three hours, honestly. They could have cut a match or
0: two out, but I uh, thought it was all, a lot of fun. The show, if you watched the pre-show, it was almost four hours. If you didn't watch pre-show and you got in right at the pay-per-view, which is what I did, when I got there, the pre-show match was already done. And uh, and so I, I, was, you know, I was three hours and 40 minutes or whatever. But, uh, yeah, the, you know, the show moved. I was kind of interested, and, and we'll get to uh, the show in a second. But I was kind of interested in what people thought about this show in comparison to Takeover because we talked two weeks ago, and we were wondering if Takeover was like the best in-ring WWE show ever because it was so good. And uh, obviously, there's a recency bias when it comes to doing stuff. People are pretty jazzed about this show, and um, the the poll as it is right now. Uh, you know, I got I, I just put it up like less than an uh, maybe it's about an hour, hour and a half ago. And uh, the AEW show is definitely leading. I would think, you know, about 15% of the vote is probably recency bias. But still, it seems like for the, at least for the people who follow me, they they enjoyed the AEW show. But if you want to, you know, if you want to vote in the poll, go to my Twitter account at R O H E B L I U S and give your two cents. It'll be up for uh, all of uh, all of Sunday. Um, so let's uh, let's actually talk a little bit about. Um, I, I just you know I, I kind of moved a little bit too fast, but. Uh, we just did a show Friday. We talked a lot about the new WrestleMania stuff. Um, we talked about the Super Showdown and kind of where they left us with This looks like it's looking like Goldberg and Roman and it doesn't look like Roman's even going to be in the Elimination Chamber. They just made the match. So I don't know what the Elimination Chamber is going to be like if it's all, you know, women's matches and tag team matches. It it mean, you know, I'm not sure as far as a, a great Elimination Chamber show goes like that it's going to be all that interesting, but um, yes, yeah, so, you know. So they set it up, Goldberg and, and and Roman. I think both guys got booed. I haven't watched SmackDown yet, and uh, and then Cena came out. I did see him. I had the volume down though, so I didn't really get to see the reaction. But the fans looked pretty pumped for him. It looks like he is going to face the Fiend, like we had s- suggested on uh, on Friday's show. So listen to that show if you want to hear kind of the our thoughts on on the week. And then also. Um, I uh, I have the 88 observers, so we're doing you know I'm doing heavy duty research for Flair and Luger, uh, Starcade 88. That's our next. We want Flair segment, and the cool thing about this is because there's so much information, we may not do the three weeks. We may go full on four weeks and just kind of change up the flow a little bit because Luger and Flair is kind of the the it's the uh, rivalry for for that entire year, like that, you know, that's kind of the 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 match. So they're 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 working a lot of that year, and uh, it all starts, a, uh, you know, kind of, I guess you could say, late 80, 87 when when Luger doesn't allow JJ Dillon to win the bunkhouse stampede, and then he gets turned on by the Horseman but uh, yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. So we'll we'll kick off at least the beginning of that next week. But because of so much information, we may actually bleed into the fourth week for the full month. So that's uh, that. that's that. And so let's talk about this show. We were at Big Dave Meltzer's house. There was a lot of people there. That's the most people we've had there for any show that I could actually remember. Yeah, it was uh, jam-packed. We
1: had to bring out extra chairs um, from God knows where. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was it was packed. Every 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 seat was filled.
0: And the other cool thing about it is that was the first time I'd ever met Bruce Mitchell. And uh, when when uh, after everyone had left, I, I asked him and Dave. I was like, man, you know, talk about like the two two of the longest standing guys in the industry covering wrestling in the same living room. They mentioned that, you know, Wade has actually been doing it longer than Bruce, but, you know, two out of three or whatever, as far as just consistency from, you know, Bruce, I think Bruce said he started in 1990 and we know Dave goes back way further than that, but it was kind of cool. You had like the two guys who were still doing this thing and have been doing it. For uh, you know, for Bruce, I think this will be thirty years, and for Dave, we know that it's longer than that. But that was kind of cool to have that much like knowledge of history and guys who are just who have evolved themselves and are and are still watching the business and covering the business. Yeah, that was really cool, and that was really cool to meet him
1: and uh, hear his thoughts on matches and and um, what he thought about certain
0: things, and uh, that was a lot of fun. You know, the thing that I kind of took out of the uh, the house today that all the people that we watch the show with there is a real vested interest in aew succeeding from all of the all of our friends and all of them are also or at one time were wwe fans and so aew as an alternative is like a big deal for them and You know, I think that was the reason why there are so many people there because they see AEW as a true alternative. Something you and I have been talking about since the creation of AEW, which is, you know, to compete and actually help WWE raise their own game. But there was like a real vested interest for AEW to put on a good show. They, you know, they were, everyone was entertained. Um, You know, even the stuff that I would say was a little bit. Not necessarily something that I would enjoy as much as maybe everybody else. The fact that we were watching it with people who were enjoying it, uh, and, and and you know, I'll just say, it was Orange Cassidy is the one that I'm thinking of. It just made that match more enjoyable to me. Whereas if I kind of watched it by myself, I would kind of be smirking and wondering why PAC was, uh, you know, buying into the act or whatever. But even even that, like even that match. People want. People enjoyed it. They wanted to see this thing succeed, and I think that was in the air for sure. And I don't know if, I don't know when's the last time we were there at a show and it kind of felt that energy watching with people.
1: Yeah, everyone's had a good time, and everyone's invested, and and everyone wants to succeed. You know, it's always good to have. I mean, God, who wouldn't want another company out there doing really well and competing? Um, so yeah, you, I mean, I can be hard on them at times but i don't want them to go anywhere anytime soon i want uh, we need that we need that we need that competition in wrestling we need places for people to work and and keep it going because when wrestling is hot again it's, it's good for everyone in it so
0: yeah absolutely so the you know for for people listening to this podcast i don't think they are worried about getting spoiled here mm-hmm. but uh we have a new champion chris jericho has been the AEW champion since the beginning and uh, tonight John Moxley beat him. John Moxley feigned his eye it was not sh- it, it, it was working. He was he was wearing the eye patch the whole time as a way to uh trick Jericho who and Jericho said on the AEW Countdown special that you know the thing that bothered him the most about this whole thing is that Moxley outsmarted them all, and so again we have a smart baby face who outsmarts the heel. He is the new champion. What were your thoughts about moving the belt from Jericho to Moxley this early, and then after that, like what 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 do you think of the next steps here?
1: Um, I thought they were going to do something where Jericho could retain it because I felt like to me like Jericho shouldn't have shouldn't lose it yet. But he did. Um, They put Moxley over. They put him over clean. Um, I thought it was a really good match. And going next, I just think, you know, now that MJF has beaten Cody, that I think that that seems to be the direction. I really think that Moxley's not long for the, a long run for the title. I really think that they're going to put the belt on MJF at the next pay-per-view. I I think, I think Moxley's just the type of guy that just, you know, he's one of those guys that just need the belt, you know, Mm -hmm. but we're, you know, it'll, enhance mgf even more and you know they've been about building new stars they've been about you know not just relying on the, the elite guys they're 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 giving big opportunities to their their young roster and i think uh you know putting the title on mjf and uh, and doing a long drawn out you know build to
0: cody winning it from him would be would be a, a hell of a hell of a program. So I asked our our fight game podcast Facebook group kind of what they thought, and I told them that you know the consensus at the house was that may, maybe MJF was next, and they seem to believe that MJF and Cody must continue the way that it ended, mm-hmm. and I can definitely see that as well. I don't want Double or Nothing to be Rematch City because it's not fresh, even if you can continue those programs, rematches. Uh, after pay-per-view match, which are supposed to be the climax or the culmination of programs, I think in some cases it can work. And, and, and on, on Friday's show, we, we talked a little bit about that. But I don't know if you can do it for both matches and so maybe by splitting up one you make sure that you're not doing it for either and uh but i'm just i'm very interested in wednesday to see if they are kicking off the double or nothing programs because you know we are only we actually have less than um less than two months uh to get there so you know it's like uh it's it's like uh seven weeks or something so they, they have their work cut out for them as far as like how long they had from the last pay-per-view to this pay-per-view is there's a much shorter time frame for them to to kick things into gear uh the one thing that we talked about at the house was you know who could be who are the contenders for a title with a babyface champion and mjf was obviously one of them we also said jericho could come back and and, and have a rematch program doesn't have to be over but outside of that, there wasn't uh, there wasn't a lot of guys that are are sitting there waiting, you know, waiting in the in the wings to to, to be champion, and and so it's going to be interesting with Moxie if if he is a short term champion, like you said, and the, and the willing the, the the they want to put a, the belt back on a heel, I could definitely see that a heel champion just seems to be the easier way to go and and the way to to create. The babyface uh, is is to have him continually chase. That seems like it works. They they know how to book that way, uh, but I am interested to see what they do with the babyface champion because um, WWE. If I mean, if we are comparing WWE, struggles really badly with their babyface champions. They you know the babyface champions often are less over as champion uh, than they were during you know during their rise to being champion. So they, I mean, it's hard. It's just harder. You know, unless you have a Hulk Hogan. Uh, even you know, even The Rock and Steve Austin, their title reigns as babyfaces were not super long because it was always like the the, the emphasis was you know we got to screw them again, so then we create that build and and, and drive those ratings, uh, and so we were not sort of flat and and I, so I get the I get the uh, how hard it is. Um, so let's actually talk about uh, let's go match by match. Neither of us watched the uh, the dark match. But I know the Dark Order, uh, they beat SCU um, and there were some shenanigans there. So uh, I'm sure we'll see what happens if I think you you told me that uh, Matt Hardy's uh, start date or his end date with WWE was like today or something. So if if that is the way that they're going, they could theoretically put him on TV on Wednesday as uh, as the exalted one.
1: Yeah, yeah, I believe uh, March first, he's he's clear to go. So, um, if they do something Wednesday, that we uh, a, a, it'd be it'd be the date to do it too. Because if you are going to reveal this character, this exalted one, and it is going to be Matt Hardy, there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on the Wednesday night show. Um, I think I think you guys are talking about you know over nine you know nine fifty you know thousand people views on the show for this coming Wednesday. Um, You know, coming off a pay per view, people are going to be checking it out. So I think that's that's the one to do it. Put all the eyeballs on that show, and then this a a good show to debut Matt Hardy if that's their plan. So, um,
0: and and I would assume he would come back as broken, er, broken Matt Hardy. He needs to, right? That was his um,
1: that really got him over, and and uh, and and that character is a big hit with their audience, right? Yes. Yeah, the delete chance will start before he even walks out. Yeah, I want to kind of circle back to you when you're talking about like uh, rematches and whatnot. On, I think with AEW, it's a little different WWE because WWE has monthly big events, right? Sometimes even tw- twice in a month. So mm-hmm. I think they're always are booking towards the big re- rematch. Where AEW, because their pay per views are only four a year, which is great. Um, I think they have, a, they can definitely, when it comes to rematches, do those on the TV, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that will, uh, I think that's what they have a great advantage with that, with their storytelling, I think with their, their big events being so spaced out, I think it really helps them create creatively to, you know, you can do rematches on, on, on the, on the, on the, on the regular show and then, and then to have fresher matches for the pay-per-view. So I think that's really, that's what, that's a good thing in there and to, for them to have.
0: Yeah, and I guess we should mention that they they had a a video package uh, played that played a couple times, announcing March twenty fifth in New York, they're um, they're going to bring back War Games, Bloody so Guts. It's uh it, it's the two two rings. It uh, looks like open cage and and they're gonna bring I, I don't think they can actually call it war games, right it's like they're they're cody called it the match beyond at some point uh earlier i could so, of hope it's not gonna be open cage i like to see them put a top of a cage on to kind of separate oh, themselves just, sorry, sorry that's what i meant the, the oh, closed oh. cage cause oh okay nxt does the open cage so
1: Yeah, I think they should. I think they should have a a a closed cage just to be different than what WWE is doing with their war games match. And I believe this one will be called uh, Match Beyond because I think Cody did get the rights to that name, correct? I think that's one of the things he got, and that's cool. That's going to be big a big deal for AEW on that on that night on was it March twenty fifth or twenty second? Uh huh. Twenty fifth. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be that's that should be a hell of a show, and I want to see what uh, WWE has to counter that on NXT
0: yeah, they gotta have something big. It's got to be big for for the competition piece of this. Um, okay, so the 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 opener now, you were someone who has told me that when you learned booking, you learned that the two most important matches were the main event and the opener. And in this case, they had the opener as Dustin Rhodes versus Jake Hager. And I thought it was a little head-scratching a little bit because there are several matches that were on this card that seemed to be a little bit more the type of match that you would open a show with to open hot. Now, they didn't have to worry about the crowd. The crowd was hot right from the get-go, no matter what. But what did you think of Dustin and Jake being tabbed as the opener for this show? Um, I mean,
1: I would have probably put the tag team title match to, to open it personally, or, or yeah, that would have be been a match I would have picked. But, um, I was, you know, I, a long th- I was thinking a lot about this on the way home and I really think that it might've been a Dustin Rhodes call or at least, at least a uh, his, he, you know, politic to be like, Hey, listen guys, we're not going to go out there and uh, do a bunch of crazy moves I and mean, be hard to follow anything on this show. Right. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the action, um let's just get us on first well the crowds is you know they're gonna be hot they're gonna be hot for anything no matter what i mean you can you can they can do silly stuff and they're just gonna love it they don't care they're supporting this company um but i think you know let's just get us out there early we'll do our match it's a very you know old school match um i thought i thought that i thought it was the right move on their part to put this match first get it out of the way it was not it was not a, a, not a it wasn't not important. It was a, it was an important match, you know, for the show what they've been building. But I think it's for the because the style they have to follow and the lot of these matches. I think it's best to get them on early. And I just thought the math length was too long, honestly.
0: Yeah, it was it was too long. I thought as well. And you know, you could say that about probably mm. you know seventy five percent of the matches on this show were just a little bit longer than then i don't necessarily think they missed the climax i just think they wanted to fully tell this long drawn out story and they want to prove that they can they can tell these stories in these matches but uh so jake comes out and uh we believe the person uh in the in the front row was his wife and he and he makes out with her in the most grotesque, heelish kind of way. You know, they're they're just eating each other's face. And so she's she's on the camera. <laughs> I mean, wasn't was that
1: not what it was? I she's just passionate in love with his wife. Look at his wife, man. What, what can you can you blame him? I mean I kiss my wife like that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> on TV? Well, we haven't been on TV yet. Well, next time we are, we will do that spot.
0: Uh, okay, well, I mean, the the idea was to get heat from a kiss. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, the they showed her on TV a couple of times. You know, she's rooting on her man. There was one time when she was telling her man what's going on, and then they set up this spot where Dustin then forced himself onto her and made out with her, and his makeup was all over her face. And then that was kind of that was kind of the end of the of the thing with her. So it seems like she was just out there for that that. To start the show. Um, so the match, I thought, uh, told a solid story. I don't know if it was a great story. I thought it was a, a really pretty good story. The story was better than the match. I thought the match was kind of clunky at times. Um, Hager hasn't wrestled in a while. And then you could tell a little bit. He His rhythm was a little bit off. Though, part of what I thought made this okay is you have two really big guys and they weren't like memorizing a match to do all of these crazy things it was really like a struggle and a fight and you know there there was a couple things you know dustin did the uh, what did we decide the code red is that what we decided yeah, yeah. the code and, red and it, and it was a struggle to do that right because jake is such a huge gigantic guy um, and, uh, you know, he, you mentioned on Friday's show, you know, what you thought Dustin was going to try to do. And he did try to do it. The Shattered Dreams didn't get it, but still uh, kicked Jake Lowe in the corner um, and when, when the ref did not let him do the, the Shattered dream spot. Um, And then uh, and then as as he was going for his Ronda Rousey armbar, which, you know, I have an issue when these non MMA guys put MMA guys in in submission holds. But uh, Hager fought out of it and he put on his own uh, submission, eventually getting to a standing head and arm choke. And the referee stopped the match. Dustin goes out on his feet. Hager wins the match and uh, that kicks off the show. Overall thoughts. Um, I thought other than being a
1: little too long, I thought that matches was overall pretty good. I thought Haker looked better than I was expecting because he's been, you know, hasn't done pro wrestling in a little while. It gives me a lot of MMA stuff. But um, I thought he some things were off here and there, but I thought they did a really well, fun job. I thought, I mean, I thought they did a good job. I thought, um, I you know, the spot with his wife was being built, too. It's fun, I have a funny story about his wife because um, when we were booking him for APW, I remember Marcus, the promoter of APW, calls me, is, says, yeah, Jake wants his wife at ringside with him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm like, why? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, he just wants her out there. I'm like, okay, well, I don't care. You know, whatever, you know. Uh-huh. And then um, show comes in Pacifica, and you know, I meet Jake. Freaking great guy. I love, I, you know me, I, I've talked about this before with you. Mm-hmm. Love that guy. Great guy to work with. Such a personable guy. Um, and I didn't say anything, but I didn't see his wife. <laughs> wow. Later on, I go, well, I thought he was supposed to bring his wife and she's supposed to be on ringside. And Mark goes, yeah, I didn't bring her. <laughs> this, this is funny. I was like, okay, interesting stuff. So, it was just funny about that. When I, when I saw his wife, there, are like, oh, he got his wife on TV. and gotta, gotta do a spot with her. So, um, I'm a big Jake Hager fan. So, it was fun to see him back in um, um, the the ring again. And uh, I want to see him do more pro wrestling. I can really see for a television match him versus uh john moxley would be
0: uh definitely a a really good television match uh, in the next few weeks so sammy guevara and darby allen was next and i think we all anticipated this match being super nutty and it was super nutty to the point of that sammy hit a 630 from the top through a table to the floor and that was like in the first minute of the actual match, like the, or maybe the match hadn't even started yet, and and that it you know, didn't lead to anything. So just thinking about that, how how you know that kind of move, which should send someone to the back on a stretcher, was just kind of like oh, we're just warming up. Um, he he actually started the match. Uh, Darby Allen did with uh, uh, Sammy's out of the ring. Darby Allen comes to the ring, has a skateboard and just does a full-on sprint from one corner to the other, dives through the middle and top rope, and that's just to kick off the match. I thought it was a pretty explosive way to kick off the match. It was pretty cool. But then when you do that, and then you do another explosive move, and then you get the skateboard thrown in your face, and then the 6.30 uh, through the table before the match even starts, it was a little bit of an overkill. Now, a lot of people are going to love that stuff and I get it because it was exciting and you have two young guys who are getting their, you know, a a break and and, and they're trying to do as much as humanly possible, but from a, like, a perspective of "Mm, is this, like, fake or not? Like, it's like, okay, like, like, yeah, it's a little bit too much. Um, But their energy was up. Both guys look like future stars. I just have a problem with, you know, kind of killing each other before the match starts. And then you go and do spots like that. I had a problem with that. Uh, But the, um, the, uh, there was other stuff that had happened. You know, there's a crazy Spanish fly from the top rope. Yeah. Uh, But, but then as they, as they go to the finish, it was a quick stunner by Darby and then the coffin drop. He jumped really far in the coffin drop. uh, And then he pinned uh, Guevara later. uh, He went after Guevara with the skateboard, but Hager saved Guevara Darby wins Darby's gonna be a future star he's gonna be a guy who they'll be able to count on my worry with him is just this whole crash and burn mentality because he did a tope and he almost died on it and it was like literally the second move of the entire match <laughs> yeah yeah that was scary I thought he was done for I thought he broke a hip
1: you know or or or, or a knee or something like that um, Darby is yeah like Like, you even said it, like, if I'm going to put my money, invest in someone, I'm going to invest in Sammy over Darby, because for the long run, I think, you know, you're right. Sammy is going to be around, where Darby is kind of destructive to himself, right, with these spots. He kind of reminds me a lot of Sabu, like, in 93, 94, when, I mean, even me, I couldn't get enough of Sabu. I thought he was just crazy. Mm -hmm. I couldn't couldn't wait to see what crazy thing he's going to do next, and and then he really broke down pretty fast. So I mean, I hope this doesn't happen to Darby because you know he has a lot more personality than Sabu, and and um, a lot more a lot more of an upside than Sabu. And I think I just don't want to see him get hurt. But I, you know the way he wrestles, he's nuts, and he's going to do something crazy. Sammy feels like a future superstar. Yeah, for sure. He carries himself really well. Um, I think hooking him up with Jericho was just brilliant on AEW's part. I mean, it um, was
0: Jericho's call, I think.
1: Yeah, well good, good, good on him. Um This match here, I was you know, I, I was thinking about it on the way home about all these matches that we were talking about tonight. And I I liked it when I watched it the first time, but I was trying to think of stuff. I really I know they want to stand out and do big spots, right? They need they need they want to do something that gonna kind of people are gonna remember them by and and, you know, because there's, you know, you know, there's a big tag team title match. There's Moxley winning the title. So they they want to do something big to stand out. But, like, they have to understand, like, they don't need to now. Like they did on the indies. But now that the, I mean, these fans are buying into everything they, these guys do. So you, you can scale back some of these crazy spots and stuff. Like, I wouldn't have done the table spot because you're going to do a table spot in the tag team match. Mm-hmm. And that's just, you know, but then again, there's also like two cool reds in a row, too. Yeah. And then the Canadian Destroyers. So, yep.
0: um, I think some of that stuff needs to be uh, tightened up on. But, uh, okay. So, so to play devil's advocate, if you're Sammy or if you're Darby and you do scale it back, then you have to actually wrestle. (laughs) And, and, you know, they can. I'm sure they can, but it's not their strength necessarily. It's not what the fans are are there to see. You know, imagine Darby and 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 Sammy instead of doing that stuff, you know, start the move in the ring chain wrestling. Like that's going to be a little bit of a different thing. I would have dug it personally. But you know, that that's the flip side is if they don't do that stuff, then you have the opportunity to maybe show something that you're not as good at as you are in doing a lot of the stunt stuff but I think they're actually pretty good for their
1: your, your young their young wrestling career so far and I'm okay with Darby flying out of the ring and doing a tope like right, off the mat, right off the bat to start to match up um, you know the, I think the tope through the ropes while Sammy's hanging draping on the guardrail was ill-advised yeah right? Um, I also think the six thirty through the table was ill advised too, because like you could do the six thirty or attempt the six thirty in the match and still get a good pop off of that as well. Um, yeah, I don't think it and also it's a grudge match, really. So I don't think they should start off with the chain wrestling in the yeah, beginning. Yeah, yeah. But I thought I thought starting off the way they did was freaking perfect, especially for Darby, because he just and like I think Darby has the best dive outs in wrestling. Simply because he looks like he's actually attacking you Instead of like just doing some crazy, beautiful athletic move, right? Like uh, he's like he like he he throws his body at people, mm-hmm. and it just and it makes a it makes it believable to dive out. A lot of times when I was younger, I used to love dive outs, love high five moves. Um, I used to just couldn't get enough. I mean, I would Ryan tapes and like, of matches of guys doing acai moon salts and whatnot to the floor. But as I, you know. Learn psychology and learn from guys, and I started realizing guys dive outs are stupid because the guy, because <laughs> a lot of times now, even now, it's even bad worse now. Now the guys don't even feed into it and are in position for it. Now you got guys just standing around waiting for the guy. Uh, but I thought they did a great job here, especially with that with that first dive out, where Sammy was just cocky walking around in that corner, and Darby just shoots out like a dart, bam, and attacks him with that dive. Out. I thought that was really cool.
0: Yeah, the the a lot of the times to dive out today is like you dive out and you just push the guy with your hands and there, there's a video out there I have these guys made of like basically like
1: <laughs> waiting for someone to dive on them and it's like here get come, come, come here come here it's like I I should find it again and it, and I remember like tweeting and re- retweeting and like yeah I'm not accurate. <laughs> Cause yeah. like guys just sit there and just hand fight and look like idiots or just wait for the guys it just, it's just so it just drives me insane. yeah no one knows how to feed anymore I mean they do there's people that tell me' I say no one knows but like feeding into dive outs is such a lost
0: art or people don't care anymore and that just drives me insane okay so this next match I will say that the consensus in the house was that this match was the best show on the card. Um it's gonna get five stars from Big Dave. Oh, we dude. we I, we we. spoiler
1: alert. Spoiler <laughs> alert. It's gonna get seven thousand stars from Big no, Dave. No, I, I
0: I think it'll get five. I don't think it'll get over five. But seven
1: th- is gonna break the,
0: the record, I'm telling you. So nah, I, no. You're right. It's gonna get five stars. I think it'll get five. Um the story that they told was was really good, I thought, as far as what they wanted to accomplish, which is Um, page is, uh, you know, page is the showcase here. Kenny Omega was doing a lot of stuff. The young bucks were doing their, their thing, but really the focus was on page. He's the one who gets the pin. Um, And the story is continuing that, you know, this was a harder match for Omega to be involved in because he's really tight with those guys. But for Paige, it was like, no, this is business and we're going to win this match and I don't really care about our friendship and, you know, we're going to we're just going to beat on each other. So from that standpoint, I thought they did a good job telling that story. Uh, I know that um, you know because when we're watching the match you know I could I could sort of see you uh, throw your hat at a near fall or sort of snicker at, at, at something that you didn't think was you know very believable or whatever but for the you know I, I I'm saying for the fan who really enjoyed this you're not alone the entire house did but for the fan who looks at this match a little bit differently and look and, and, and may have seen the ho- some holes like what what is your your perspective of what you saw well i'm gonna surprise you and i'll tell you i really like this match i really did
1: um there are some things i thought maybe maybe a little bit too many kicking out of really 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 big stuff you know i thought maybe instead of like to kick out you you could have got a little more creative with some counters or whatnot but um i i this is my second favorite match on the show um i like young bucks matches when they're working with guys like this that they're all telling a story, which, which I, you know, which, and they delivered what I wanted them to do. I wanted to see a story. I love that Paige shine in this match. I love <laughs> that, you know, the booking of Paige is, is, is working here. They're doing a great job with him, making him a star. This crowd tonight was all about Adam Page. Yep. Um, he felt like a bigger star. I think that people are expecting Adam Page to turn on Omega, or maybe the Young Bucks just go all heel and turn on both of them, you know, or something like that in the future. Now, I love, they did a cool little, at the end of the match, after after the Page and Omega won, where Page is at the on the ramp and the ropes and looked like he got himself positioned due to do a buckshot like he's going to take out Omega. I thought that was really well done, really nice tease. Um, Page looked fantastic. Um, that, that guy is such a future star um I thought Omega looked really good I thought the Young Bucks did a really good job of being like you know um
0: uh
1: heels not they're not over the top but they were you know teasing it and teasing moments um it wasn't like their match from Long Beach with Ibushi and Omega and Young Bucks which I still will say it's the most overrated match in the last few years um this match had a good story to it unlike the other one in my opinion and so I was very happy with it. I just some near falls. I'm like, come on, guy, what the hell?
0: But other than that, I, I like I said, I really I really enjoyed it. So some of the the really cool stuff. Um, the, Paige did a like a he was holding. I think he was. I can't remember if it was Matt or Nick, but he was holding them. On the top rope, and then he did like a backflip, like he moonsaulted and kept the yeah. the slam in, in like his a, hands. It's like a body slam moonsault, which yeah. Scott Steiner used
1: to do it uh, a lot in '89, and he'd always like fall on his head. So I think he finally just dropped <laughs> it. But I remember seeing that for the first time. Scott Steiner would pick up a guy and just do do a backflip. Uh, you know, just watch. Um, Watch Clash Japanese nine, he does that but, move there. But but this one's from the top.
0: Scott yes, would do it's just, it from a standing position, which is actually harder.
1: Yeah, this was freaking
0: nuts. Um yeah, that was one of the big highlights of the match. So uh there were there was a couple of hot tag spots for Omega and uh and Paige that that were really the clean house moments, you know. And uh so the uh Let's see. I'm trying to I'm trying to read through this. So Omega Omega hits hit, hits uh, both guys with V triggers, really explosive V triggers, and then hits Nick Jackson with a Tiger Driver 98. We we were trying to figure out if it was 97 or 98, what what the right Tiger Driver is, but uh, Excalibur called it the 98. Ah, uh, he put. Uh, then he he puts uh, Nick on the top rope, but Nick reverses it and does kind of like a. I guess they call it a poison Rana, like the reverse. Uh, the yeah, reverse like a, Hurricane yeah. Rana.
1: Almost like last like year or two, I feel like the reverse Rana has turned into the poison Rana.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Somehow, yeah. someway. And so Omega is selling this thing so well that. We're kind of wondering, like, what's going on? Is this guy really hurt? Uh, But he sold the hell out of it. I and mean, who knows? Maybe he is hurt. But then, um uh so so Bucks goes super kick city on Omega. They hit the double Kamigoye. And then Omega kicks out at one and turns into, like, Hulk Hogan from, like, 1986. That was one of the moments. <laughs> that frustrated me. <laughs> he fires up. And then, at, right as he fires up, he's on his knees. And he eats a double super kick for a two count. Uh, they're about to hit the Meltzer driver, but then Paige pulls Nick down and he actually puts Nick through a table. And then Paige and Omega hit the V trigger clothesline combo on two count for a two count on Matt. And that was the move where everyone was like thought it was the pinfall and I just stayed I I just kept my eyes and I was typing. I was like, no, that's not gonna be the pinfall. Yeah, that, that, I, might, that might be the moment where you threw your hat. That yeah, because that's like their
1: double team finish. And now we're like, fuck, we're kicking out of that. Yeah.
0: So so Omega's hurting. He tries to get uh, he tries to get Matt up for the one winged angel. He couldn't get him up. Paige does the one winged angel, gets a two count because Nick breaks it up. And then uh, and then uh, Paige hits the buckshot Lariat on Matt to win the match. I thought it was really good. I mean, you know, for the story that it to- that it told, it was probably my uh my favorite match of the night, but as far as the work, I'm not sure. I but I still really liked it and and I thought it was great. For, for according to people who I know who were there at the show live, they thought it was fantastic. So it looks like it played very well live too. Uh, but yeah, that, that it looks like this story is going to continue, and it's great because I love this story, and I, I can't wait to see what they do with Adam Page. I felt, you know, at the beginning of this story, my comment to you on our shows, you know, all the way back to the end of last year was, you know, Page needs to step it up a little bit. Like he's like he's not he's not showing his personality enough, and now he's like on fire. He's just absolutely he's like that. He, he might be the hottest guy in the company right now. Yeah,
1: yeah, I I I agree him and MJF for sure. Yeah. Um I you know he's you know other than Cody, MJF and you know right, right earning them is um is Adam Page for me. So I'm really into I'm really into those two storylines. I'm actually into
0: those two more than I am the Jericho Moxie stuff, honestly. Yeah, I mean it's it's yeah, I mean that it makes sense um to to be into those storylines, I think. I think I think they're they're meant to be a little bit more sort of soap opera y, mm-hmm. um, and and it plays it plays very well to I think all kinds all styles of wrestling fans. So it's very smart. What, what what they're doing is very smart, and they're telling a long long story, which is what people want out of the competition out of WWE. So they're they're doing that. They're able to do it. Now there will be times where they try to do it, and something happens, and they can't do it. Yeah. But uh, but you know that's the struggle that WWE has sometimes where. You know, they don't get the, the patience to tell those stories. But um, yeah, they're they're so far so good with that stuff. Maybe the only bad match of the night as far as like really something that I think universally, if people are being honest about this match, is uh, Chris Statlander and Nyla Rose. There was actually three different matches here to me because I thought the beginning of the match was awful. Like I just looked at you like two minutes in and I was like, this thing sucks. And then Chris Statlander started showing a little bit of fire. I thought she did a pretty decent job in the middle of this match, and she did the two, you know, the two topes that you know, much like you said um, about uh, about the other tope, about from Darby Allen. Like she she was actually putting some some momentum and some force into this. And obviously, when you have Nyla, who's a, a strong person you know, you have to really do it in order to make it look good because Nyla is not going to sit there and just take a bump off of nothing. So they looked really good. She did two in a row and I thought, okay, like she's, she's showing something here. And then they went back to like botching stuff and you know almost killing each other and like just got really bad in the end because they were trying to do like you know all of these crazy moves. Uh, Statlander was trying to do like a superplex and like she lost her and then uh, and then Nyla won with a power bomb that was kind of like a, reminded me of uh, Kevin Nash's power uh, power bomb on the Big Show on uh, WCW back then where he didn't really get him up and this one's coming from the top rope so I hope Statlander is okay okay but yeah just you know i was i I was about to give the match a little bit of the benefit of the doubt and then they went back to botching stuff like crazy at the end
1: yeah this match is pretty bad um i early right away i guess all both of both these women were very very nervous you could just tell it was a big the biggest match of their career um they're so nervous that they were going so slow. It was almost like they were going doing the same thing they were planning early, <laughs> early night before the show started, right in the mm-hmm. ring. Um, just overall, really bad performance by both women. Um, probably, you know, just not ready for that spot at this time. But what are you going to do? Who else do you have, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of stuff was scary. A lot of uh, like that power bomb spot was just which was freaking me out. Like I was getting anxiety watching it because. I know that she was going to powerbomb off the top. I know it, but her legs are still hooked outside the ropes. And I'm like, how is she going to do this, right? Mm-hmm. Why, why wouldn't she just start in that position? Um, I don't know why she started with her legs outside the ropes because it's just going to take a long to pull this move off. And, uh, you know, she... <laughs> It was a Nash big show uh, giant moment from uh, was that sold out ninety eight or whatever it was, uh, but it was damn near close, right? I mean, she, I mean, she folded like a chair. Oh my fun. god! And and Nyla's weight all on Chris Adler. It must not have been fun at all. So yeah, this was
0: uh this was a rough go from both women. Thankfully, the next match was MJF and Cody. Cody's got a tattoo on his neck. I we were trying to figure out if it was real or not. And it looked like some from some of the pictures that I saw that it was actually a real tattoo. So, he may have this thing uh, on his neck for a very long time. I I first saw uh <clears throat> that before the show was even over, someone had tweeted out a GoFundMe to raise $5,000 for Cody's tattoo removal. That was out there pretty, (laughs) pretty soon. So, you know, sometimes wrestling fans are actually pretty funny. Maybe you can call Undertaker and say, how'd you get that Sarah tattoo removed? Exactly. Who's your
1: guy? It's gonna turn into like a a brandy tattoo. At some you know what's gonna happen. You know how that. You know, you get one, and next, you know, you got uh, the sleeve. You think it's gonna be sleeved up? He's gonna be sleeved, sleeved up. up. You know, he's gonna go from the Randy Orton little back tattoo to all of a sudden just be like sleeved
0: up, like a <laughs> man. Um. So th- there was a lot of heat in this match from like before the bell even sounded, right? Like the walkouts. Like MJF is just like throwing stuff at fans and he's just got a look on his face. He, a fan had a sign and he threw his gum right at the fan sign. Cody comes out ultimate baby face. He's got a full team. He's got Arn. he's got branding. He's got all his friends. He's in the, he's in the, the track suit and he's got the tattoo on his neck and um, you know match kind of starts and, and and I joked with you I was like these guys better not lock up because of uh, your comment about Omega and Pac from from uh, Friday's show and they didn't they went you know right right into it they they went to fighting but uh, MJF takes a powder very early on and he spends about I just must be in about three minutes outside just kind of pacing yelling at fans slapping a guy's hat off his head grabs a beer chucks it at another fan like he was just uh, he, he was on his game today as far as doing all of the things that the fans really, really wanted him to, wanted to see from him,
1: God bless a real heel in professional wrestling again, right? Like, oh man, like from the moment his music hits to when he walks out, like he's just on another level when it comes to his presentation as a, for his character as a heel. Like he, you know, people play heel, like he is a heel. Like he, you believe him? He's such an arrogant little prick. And I loved how they opened it. I thought it opened up perfectly. Yes, you don't lock up. He, they, you know, Cody should run at him and try to knock his head off. And he should duck out of the way. And he should take a powder because what, what's the story of this building up to this match? Is like not being able to touch MJF until the pay-per-view. So what do you do? You take a powder. And you just delay it just a little bit more, you know? Oh, my God. I This was my favorite match of the night. It's because it's my favorite style of wrestling, mm-hmm, old-school, mm-hmm. traditional-style wrestling, great storytelling. Um, Cody did a fantastic job of laying out this match and the story they wanted to tell. Um, and Bruce Mitchell called it perfectly. Like, this was basically very similar to... Um, to to uh, us, Rick Steamboat and tolly Blanchard in Stark '84, mm-hmm. you know where, where you know you, you Steamboat was you know winning the match and kicking his ass, and then somehow some way you know the Tully you know slipped the hit him with the gimmick and slipped out, and he's like holding up the title belt, but he's like glassy eyed and beat this crap. So man, freaking great stuff, man! I really loved it. My favorite moment of the match though was is a funny moment, but only funny if you noticed it and is when paul turner dropped the gig i was blade (laughs) out of his pocket and he quickly picked it up
0: and i'm like oh paul turner dropped the blade and then do you you think that he was anticipating that they were going to need it at that moment and he just kind of jumped the gun not the
1: well he's probably getting it ready to to have it because you don't want to you know walk over and go in your pocket and then get the guy the gig right yeah so he's probably just getting it ready in his hand and he uh he was checking his hand too so i wonder if he got nicked a little bit too um i i just found that very entertaining and um, i was surprised when he gave it to mgf i didn't expect blood from i thought i, expect, I expected blood from both if there was going to be blood especially cody And i figure he's gonna love the bleed like his dad right at this point in time in his career um but they they want because you know they want just like just like Tully and and uh, Rick Steamboat they wanted that moment where he's bloody and holding this belt up or just in this case he's holding up his arms in victory. Um, I thought it was a, it was a beautiful match, man. Like I said, anytime it's anything with Cody, I am down for AEW. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite stuff. Uh, of that company, and it never and it never fails to deliver. I mean, the only thing I really didn't like the most they ever done was maybe that straps the, the ten lashes thing, but mm-hmm. but people loved it, so other people
0: loved it. But uh, yeah, this was great. So can I say that you know this was such a serious match, and it was like uh, revenge and all that stuff? I thought Coach Arn was a little corny for this match. I I I, I, I I'm having a hard time understanding why the babyface needs a coach and a valet and a wife like how why Cody as the babyface why does he need so many people out there? well just when they when they started
1: this whole thing with Arn it's kind of goofy yeah right I mean yeah I
0: mean obviously Arn is definitely going to turn sometime in the future well man. I mean if he does they set they set the first trap for it mm-hmm. because you know Arn saves Brandy uh and, or he saves you know he's trying to save brandy from wardlow and cody comes in and tries to lay the big boot on wardlow and wardlow moves and he kicks arn and arn's got to take a bump on the outside <laughs> yeah yeah that was that
1: was a little scary for me personally cuz you know i have neck issues just like arn and and i mean if you shove me good enough i mean i can i get a vibration down my arm you know what i mean and I, so like him taking that boot even to the shoulder, and just having to fall back and bump must have not have been fun. That that really scared me, and I'm not really into arm bumping, you know, just because you could tell, like, his, you know, his left arm is atrophy from the, you know, from the nerve damage, and, you know, it's just, I don't know, I... I love seeing Arn out there. I just love. I mean, I love Arn Anderson. I do love the 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 NFL play uh, play plays like
0: the NFL coach has. Like I just think that's funny. But so, so there there was a moment where um, Brandy throws beer at Wardlow, and so then she runs off, and you're kind of wondering what's going on here. This kind of silly, mm-hmm. and Wardlow kind of walks around, and he walks around right in the pathway of Cody to to do a dive out on him. And Arn celebrates like fist pump, you know, in the air. And I was like, "Oh, he's Andy Reid from from the uh, Kansas City Chiefs." Who yeah, just it was, was like beautiful. it's like yeah,
1: it's like when an NFL coach like calls the right play, to not even t- maybe not even the, t- the touchdown, just to get that extra, that extra. Uh, that first down, that, 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 that crucial first down, right? I thought, that. yeah, I, I liked it. I said, oh, I called to call the plane at work. That's the first time I've seen it other than like, hey, jump on the apron and go, get the knees up, Cody. Like, duh. He's been doing this for how long? Yeah, I know. I'm sure he knows to get the knees up for a splash. He, he, thankfully, he's not doing the whistle like the coach John Tolos. Well, he should have done this. He had a garbage can on the baseball bat and did like a couple little Houston Astros joke. Yes, yes. Houston Astros joke. Sorry. I can't couldn't pass it up.
0: All right, so um, as we get into this match, uh, Cody is uh, selling the toe a little bit, like he's like kind of flexing it a little bit, which plays into it because MJF takes off the boot and they starts biting Cody in the toe. Um, Cody's also has problems with his left arm. MJF's going after the left arm. Uh, you mentioned the the part where MJF starts bleeding. I couldn't actually tell like what what was supposed to be the the spot where he got cut open. Yeah, I don't know either. Like it was a disaster
1: kick right there. That's so, what yeah the, the disaster kick he hits a disaster kick he just takes the bump to the floor it comes up bleeding i just thought that was interesting because unless we missed we missed the bump maybe he bumped on something unless he like let's say he took the bump because i think he hit the apron rolls off and maybe hit the guardrail I, i'm guessing yeah yeah um but he came up he he did a great job with that um a lot of blood um I I know a long time ago people were always really questioning blood and wrestling, and I'm not I'm actually pro blood, but not like every show, you know. So that, I, I think I think they should just save it for pay
0: per view. I don't think they should use it on TV.
1: Um, it, I think they should if it's uh if if a match certain match justifies it and also a certain angle you need. I don't think you should be doing though
0: shoot head butts and busting people open. Yeah, personally. yeah. Well, I mean, cuz there was a couple there was a couple blood uh, spots in this in this show tonight. Yep, yep, yep. We'll talk about that soon. Uh, and so, okay, so Cody uh, goes into his dusty punches and uh, MJ, MJF goes down, but then MJF actually catches him in the crossroads. Cody hits the gory special. Uh, and here's where MJ is uh, playing like just absolute like just puss baby face. And he crawls on Cody's legs, he grabs his legs, hugs his legs, he gets up, is just like telling Cody, "I'm sorry," and then spits right in his face. and then Cody is pissed. He goes for crossroads, hits the crossroads. and I think I call I was like, no, it's he's got to do more than one, hits the second crossroads as he goes for the third, I didn't actually see what happened m j f like how did he get out of the the third one? I
1: thought he took a i thought he.
0: Rolled, oh, he rolled towards Wardlow, who gave him the ring. Okay, so then he gets the ring and uh, pops Cody with the ring before Cody can get the third crossroads. And he just falls in exhaustion and in pain on top of Cody to get the pin. So MJF wins the match, uh, and Cody is uh, has to fight another day to get his revenge. So really good storytelling. A lot of people I asked on Twitter uh as uh, before the match even started like cuz i didn't know what was going to happen and i was i wanted to know what the consensus of 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 the people who follow me on twitter thought and they like they they thought there's no way cody can lose this match cuz this fan these fans are just so fired up and you know this is the right time for him to win and i wasn't sure he was going to win and uh i don't think the fans you know, were frustrated with this in any way. I think they understood that this story is still still has a lot of meat left on it. Oh yeah.
1: definitely you are gonna stretch this out for probably another year. But not like every show they're gonna be dealing with each other. It's gonna be, you know, you know, on and off again. And I like I said, I I think that hell you know, MJF's gonna win the title with the next pay per view. And I think the chase will be on for cody because i think somehow some way there's gonna be a uh a situation where or they you know cody's gonna get his title shot obviously i mean he's never him never having a title is just not gonna happen it's gonna happen and him winning is gonna be a huge deal
0: yeah absolutely Okay, so two matches left, and this is another one where the consensus in uh, at at Big Dave's house was that this was a very fun match. It was between Pack and Orange Cassidy. And again, I'm looking to my right. You're sitting on my right, and I'm trying to gauge, you know, your smirks, your your eyebrow raises, your eye rolls, and I'm trying to figure out, you know, what you think of this match because you you had said on Friday show that you you wanted to see an absolute squash, and it's the you got the opposite of an absolute squash here. You had. Pack playing into Orange Cassidy's uh you know little games in, in the beginning and then Pack would dominate 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 but he would leave a little hole and all of a sudden Orange Orange Cassidy would go from death to superman. He did that two on two separate occasions but the fans were eating out of this guy's hand for the entire match. Like Orange Cassidy all he would have to do is smirk or put his hands in his pocket or like roll over to the other side of the ring. And the fans were just so into it. It was crazy because I, you know, I don't, I may have seen an orange Cassidy match before. I don't fully remember, but you know, this was one of the few matches that I've seen of his. And I, I just watching this crowd react to him was like, he was one of the most over guys, and some of it is, you know, I, I guess what you would call—I don't know what what would people call it in the business, like, gaga or whatever, you know, whatever the goofy stuff is that that gets over sometimes. But he was just so crazily over, and even in in, in the house, people were loving it. I was kind of like, I get it, and I'm so happy that my friends like it. I don't like it as much as them, but I can't like fault it for happening. I know you had mentioned to me that you think that you know Pac didn't get as much from this as as Bruce Mitchell had mentioned. Bruce Mitchell thought that Pac, uh, Pack, and Orange Cassidy both got a lot out of this, but sort of talk about what you meant when you said that you didn't you didn't think this was right for Pack.
1: Well, he you know he Pack's a little bit of he's a he's a, a stick of dynamite man. He's a badass, and he's going whatever 12 to 15 minutes with this guy that he's who in, in weeks and weeks and weeks on television has been you know knocked down pushed down kicked in the nuts by a bunny a female valet and all of a sudden he's going toe-to-toe with Pac ah I'm not I'm not with this at all I I think it just hurts Pac as to me, I mean, this is to me not to this is, to this audience to that crowd who's gonna love everything that AEW does. It's not gonna hurt him, but I'm just saying like that as that viewer, that kind of jumps in, and as a casual viewer, I think he does get hurt a little bit with them. I think his credibility gets a little you know, as a badass gets gets uh, a little tainted, and I, I I don't I don't get it. And as a promoter, I'd probably run with it too because it's making money, right? Yeah, exactly, but. I just don't I just don't freaking get it, man. Really. I just don't I just don't I don't understand it. What makes it so funny? I think he's he should be destroyed every match. I mean what, how, how is a guy putting a hand in his pockets beating people up, you know, or, or being smarter? I just That's ah, bullshit. <laughs> Honestly, it's just bullshit. It, but what are you gonna do? It's making money for them. He's the number one freaking merchandise sell you know seller. I mean I mean, he's not. He's like going to be on TV. He's he's not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, so. you know,
0: when when I when I asked Cody Rhodes when when I inter, interviewed him for Wrestling Observer, I said, you know, what other analytics do you guys use outside of like TV ratings and buy rates and stuff? And he said, you know, T-shirt sales is one of them. And he's like, Orange Cassidy sells a lot of T-shirts. Like he did make that that statement, and probably as a way to defend why Cassidy's on TV all the yeah, time. Yeah, and he even said on that interview. I remember him. He said he he's like, I don't even get it.
1: Yeah. Why yeah. these guys. But he, he is and and they're running with it. I just I just don't think maybe I don't know if Pac was the guy that I wanted to see him, you know,
0: go toe-to-toe with. I, but I think Pac has the he's got enough with that fan base, and they like you said, they know he's an ass kicker and they believe in him. And if you did that with Orange Cassidy and let's say a lesser heel, maybe it makes the lesser heel look a little bit worse than it would make Pac look because Pac's got so much bought into already. And just the fact that he played, he did business. I think may I think those fans may even love Pac better than they did before when they may have found him to be, you know, a little ornery, like he's not the Mr. Personality. But I think that hardcore fan base who loves Orange Cassidy may all of a sudden just be into Pac more because Pack did business and didn't just like destroy Cassidy. It's kind of interesting to think about that way. Yeah, I don't know. I
1: If it was me, I probably wouldn't have done the Ironman match with Pac this, 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 that, this, during this, at this time. I probably wouldn't have had him on this pay per view at this time with this match, Orange Cassidy. He'd be a perfect guy to come out at the end of the show to challenge Sean Moxley, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And and like coming off, like, you know, not tainted with, you know, losing the Ironman match and, and, and having to go toe to toe with the, with, uh, your, one of
0: your, I don't know, gaga wrestlers. So. so so can we compare like, like when you're thinking about guys who are all gimmick, um, you know, you think about someone like Joey Ryan, Cassidy, like when you're, when you're thinking about building stuff, you know, obviously when you're, when you're booking on the indies, you're kind of going from show to show and it's really hard to keep a story going. But like with, with, uh, with Ryan and with Cassidy and guys like that, like, how, like, can you put those guys against some of your top contenders? Like, you know, if Jeff Cobb or JR Kratos is is kind of the guy you're working towards, like, do you just avoid a Cassidy and a Ryan because you don't want to see them involved in something like that? I think you just use them as special attractions. You you have them on on a, a match on the show, and and
1: they do their thing that people want to see, either being the dick flip or you know hands in the pockets and all that kind of stuff um i think it's just like you know right in the middle of the show something the the the, the breakup what did you have them do early on and, and
0: and the main event stuff so who would I you, put, I mean, you who do you put them against though because you can't put them against just um you know someone who's who's like a lesser guy like uh you know I, I, the, the the thing that comes to my mind is like you can't put them against uh a John Reduta because he's not seen with uh, from the crowd as like a guy who should be with those guys. Who who can you book him with, or book those guys a uh, uh, a Cassidy or a Joey Ryan with, in order for for it to be okay for that part of the show? I think like a like a mid card
1: heel, a uh, a heel with a more of a big personality and. You no know, guy locally, at least a guy like Rick Luxury would be perfect. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you Rick know. would be great with. both uh, He doesn't no longer wrestles in our area anymore, but uh, a gentleman named Perry Von Vicious would have been very good in that role. Um, heels like that, he, mid card heels, reliable character heels like that would be. To me, perfect, and you can even do programs with it. Where they do a couple of matches like that for a couple of shows, but so, at the same time, I don't think you need them every show either. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't book them every show, like you know. I know Marcus, you know, he loves Joey Ryan, and he booked him a lot, and mm-hmm. he'd always say he's our top baby face. But like, I, but you, you know, you don't want to build to a main event with that guy. Yeah. Um, we did it cow battles with Cody because that's what Cody wanted to do. Um, I hey, had you, a more yeah, I had a more serious. I wanted to build to the Weiss wrestling and all that stuff. We just we just never got to that. I think Brandy didn't. All of a sudden, Brandy didn't want to wrestle at this point. <laughs> she's, she's I wasn't looking for. She wasn't looking forward to wrestling at that time for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. She wasn't into it. What we had planned, but um, um, but uh, I think you know, I think they're they're fine. They're fine within within like the middle of the show. But here's the thing though too, if you're really trying to sell something on an indie level, if you're trying to, even in, even in the major league level, if you're trying to sell something like heated and intense and realism, but then early on night you had the guy flipping the dick, right? And flipping a guy's dick. Like, I don't know. What are you, what are you trying to do? It's like, it's kind of confusing for the audience and uh, what you're trying to play.
0: Is there a heel on the AEW roster who you would have rather than put Cassidy with? And like a mid card guy, I'm trying to think their roster
1: who who's a mid card guy, like a
0: Peter Avalon or something like that. Maybe well, something I mean, like that. but he, but I mean, he's like bot. He's like he's lower, lower, lower. I was thinking like uh, you know Santana or, or Ortiz, but in this program, no, they're they're no. supposed to be like the you know, they're really the, the, the really the uh, Jericho keeps calling them thugs. I don't like it when he calls them thugs, but you know, you could have done, kind of done something eaters.
1: where it's a six man tag with someone, some team, and maybe one of the guys gets other team, Chucky e. T or Trent Barretta, most likely Chucky e. T I would probably take out of the match. Uh, where like, he gets injured before, like maybe the heels jump him and he's injured and he gets carried out. And it's, and it's two on one and it's orange Cassie and Trent Beretta. And you built that hot tag, and what's this guy gonna do? He comes in, he does his stick, but then he's also House of Fire and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. You could do. I would leave that to someone else to book, honestly. Um, but uh, it's not it, it, my cup of tea, personally. But it, like I said, this audience loved it. Hey, they're going crazy. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's an amazing thing if you really look at it. But it's all the same same time. I just don't. It's just not. It's just not my thing.
0: If you're AEW. And it makes money. You gotta find a way to capitalize on it because there's a time where it will stop making money in its current form, and you'll have to reinvent or whatever. But I get. I mean, I get why they they put him on TV. He, he, like I, you know, like I mentioned la- uh, on Friday's show, you know, he's uh, Rikishi and Too Cool breaking into dance in, in the middle of a match, which was mm-hmm. just as. Uh, you Silly. know just as moronic as as this but the fans just loved it so that's kind of what how I look at it yeah you shouldn't do and he, he also shouldn't be wrestling every show now i hope this is not where he
1: starts wrestling every show i yeah. still think you need to pick and choose your spots i also think you don't need him on tv every week i think but i think he's okay in the dark match before the show to get the crowd all into it and hyped up and pumped about what they're going to see later
0: and you know you can use him for the, the live audience for the tv all right, so the last match, the main event, Chris Jericho, John Moxley. Uh, pretty cool intro, intros and uh, ring entrances for both guys. Moxley, I, I mean, this is a little kind of weird, but Moxley comes in from the outside of the building. I guess maybe he just got dropped off. Like he kind of Uber, like right before the match started. Um, <laughs> walks all the way from the outside of the arena. It's pitch black, dark. He walks into the arena, walks down the aisle, you know, whatever entrance he goes through and walks through the crowd and into the ring. Jericho gets a choir to sing his uh, his song, his uh, his Judas song, which was actually really cool because they were really good, and the song is actually really good as as a, as a pop song. So I thought it was cool, and you know, I mentioned I was like, you know, one of the most underrated things about Jericho is. He sings his own entrance music as a rock star. Like, that is like sort of an underplayed thing. Like, that's pretty amazing to me. You know, it's like, you know, even Hulk Hogan of all people, you know, he was using a, you know, Rick Derringer is singing All American, you know, not a Hulk Hogan rock band that tours, you know, all across the US. So I thought that, you know, that, that's, that's a pretty cool thing. Don't forget uh, for Jericho. <laughs> the man, John Cena, he sang his own song that that's that's cool as well like the you know john cena rapping his own entrance music you know when he Shawn did do Michael. that one album okay Shawn michaels singing a very hoarse version of sexy boy which is actually you know a fun song uh, we've heard it probably a thousand times in our life just watching matches but that, that that just the idea that you know jericho wanted to be a wrestler and he wanted to be a rock star and he got to do both like it's just kind of an amazing story um, so uh, this match was um, it was uh, immediate. It was you know it was brawling. It was not uh, you know they weren't doing drop toe holds and and stuff. They were fighting, and um, you know they immediately go into the crowd and and Moxie's trying to bite Jericho's stitches off of his head, mm-hmm. which is you know which is you know the second bite of the of the night. At least he didn't get athlete's foot like MJF did on a. Uh, Biting Cody's toes. Oh, God. <laughs> um so uh so Jericho sends Moxley into the post and, and it was there was a funny statement because Excalibur earlier in the show was trying to get over the idea that the 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 posts were not circular, they were actually like rectangular so they had corners on them and edges and he was trying to say like that they had edges and he couldn't get the words out of his mouth and he said something i forgot the way that well, he was said trying it. to be like smart with it yeah and jr's like yeah, they're edges, edges <laughs> yeah, exactly oh man i mean he just meant he just wanted to say you know they're sharp edges and that and and that that's why these you got you, you dangerous. have to mention jr blown off Excalibur before the match with the prediction. Yeah, because he asked him, like, you know, who do you think is going to win? And and Excalibur, I don't think he knew that question was coming, so he, like, paused for, like, a second. And that one second pause, JR just was like, okay, you don't have a prediction. And then uh, he did go back to him after. But mm-hmm. you could see Excalibur's face was like, God, this guy's busting my balls constantly. He was a shark, man. Ross is a shark. <laughs> and we, I, You know what's so funny is... You know, before AEW Dynamite even started, like we were talking about this, we were talking about how, you know, this is a three man booth, but JR wants to be the star, like he wants to be the commentator that everyone knows, and he's going to be super competitive about this, and you know, he's going to set up Excalibur, but if Excalibur doesn't come to play ball, JR's going to eat him alive, and so that happens on occasion. I think Excalibur actually. Uh, has much more of a a spine. That's not even a spine, but he's much more confident in his ability to keep up. So he doesn't get eaten alive as much as he was early, but he's also more vocal. So there's more opportunity for JR and Tony to kind of bust him a a little bit. But that's like one of my favorite parts of the show, actually. I know people hate it. people hate it because they hate jr but i love it i'm cracking up all
1: the time my my favorite parts of the show is just jr when his comments and and like just for example like the orange cassie pock match like he literally took a break he might have been in the bathroom because that's you know he all we all know about his but he's he breaks during shows but um but i i think he was out there and he was just like i'm not gonna call say much during the during the goofiness but like when it was time for the comeback, he was there, right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, he he's he's entertaining in a whole different way for me now,
0: and um, people yeah. expect him to be like 2004, 90, yeah, or or even like you know JR in like 1989 NWA or you know to, uh, 1997 98 WWE, you know when he was like doing all of the things that Excalibur and Morrow do. Uh, with the calling of the moves, because he he knew them, and he studied them, and he knew all the wrestlers' background, So he had all of like, you know, Mauro does a lot of pop culture stuff, but JR had a lot of history stuff. And he was able to keep up and sell the drama of the match, yeah. you know, and I'll do all of that at, at the same time. And, you know, he doesn't do that anymore. He's, he's an older guy, but... I I think he still gets over the feeling of the story, at least the story as he feels they're telling it in the ring. He's also, not going to bullshit the audience and pretend that they're telling a story that they But I, I also
1: get a kick when he's trying to be relevant with the young crowd and this their audience be like, you know, kind of put people... I mean, his job is to put... He's the play-by-play guy. He needs to put people over. But like when... I, mean, I just know in his heart, like he's not that into it, you know, but when he puts certain people over or certain acts over or he it just kind of it just tickles me because i just know he's like i am just gonna say it because i'm i'm that's part i'm working for this company and then gotta get these guys over it, it just cracks me up
0: okay um so the uh the, there was a the thing on the countdown special was the fact that moxley was learning actual Escapes from the walls of Jericho from Randy Couture and uh, the team Couture. And so Jericho goes for the walls, Moxley counters it, Moxley gets the walls, Hager comes out, Moxley gives up the walls, and then he eats a code breaker, and then Jericho goes back to the walls of Jericho. Uh, so you know, there's lots of interference from the inner circle. Aubrey throws out Santana Ortiz and Hager, and as she's throwing those guys out, Sam, Sammy Guevara sneaks in to hit Mox with the belt. That gets a near fall. They were the announcers were trying to sell it as uh, the finish. I I I didn't think that was going to be the finish. Uh, so then uh, Jericho goes after Moxley's good eye, and he sets up the Judas effect, but he misses. Moxley hits a DDT, then he pulls off his eye patch and basically sh- showing the crowd like. No, I was fooling these guys. I can actually see out of this eye. And then he hits his DDT again, wins the match. John Mox is your new champion, says he's going to drink whiskey, says this is wrestling, this is pro wrestling, this is for the fans, he's so happy to be a pro wrestler, which was, you know, it was a, it was a diss towards WWE. He didn't have a great uh, last couple years in WWE. You and I have both stated and been on record as saying, somewhat WWE's fault but you got to take some responsibility for that yourself buddy but you know uh, they, they only made it they only put him in this position to be this guy in AEW it wasn't right he, just, he doesn't come from CZW to this spot. right 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 he th- there's things that he learned in WWE things that he probably didn't like or the position they put him in to be this you know guy Right, right right Uh, Yeah, like there is some benefit, definitely a lot of benefit that he gained from from that company to put. But also, he can now play the anti-WWE guy, which this audience is going to eat up. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that, you know, it's probably 85% shoot and there's 15% of him where he's like, look, like, I get it. I know what I learned I know what what I like to do. I know what I don't like to do, and I, I really enjoy it here. I, I don't think he's a hundred percent anti WWE like he he tries to show, but you know maybe he is. I know I know you know Big Dave has mentioned to us that you know that Moxie's a pretty intense guy in person as well. So so may, maybe it is. But you know I, I'm I'm happy that that he is who he can be uh, in AEW because he looks like he's having a blast and look he's a hundred times better as this character than he was as Dean Ambrose, whether or not he was just sort of rebelling against Dean Ambrose. And and there was a lot of stuff to rebel against. You know, that character was not written to be a very smart character. So Moxley is the champ. And uh, now we'll sort of see where they go from here. I'm, I'm very interested to see... T- tv on wednesday because you know i, I want to see what the programs are obviously i have a vested interest because i'm going to double or nothing and last year you know that was a really hot show i really enjoyed myself so i'm really looking forward to uh to what comes for double or nothing and that starts on wednesday yeah yeah i'm, I'm i think jericho's not gonna go quietly right
1: i think they can still do some stuff with darby and like it might be a tag match it might be darby and um in mox versus jericho and sammy and and then stuff leading with mjf will soon follow after that and um, um i thought this match was was really good as well um i like the pacing of it The pacing might have been a little bit slower than they probably wanted to do because you know i think moxie really got his belt rung with that post spot and bust himself open uh, that's a nasty gash um and I kept wondering, like, why don't you just take off that damn eye patch if the blood's in his eye? Mm-hmm. But, but the, you know, the spot at the end—that's you know—that's why he had to keep it on. I remember Aubrey was referee Aubrey was trying to put it back on. I'm like, just take it off. It's just going to be a, a pain, you know. And the blood's going to be in your eye anyway. We can't tell if your eye is okay or not, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, there's, he definitely needs some time to recover because I I don't know why he went in so hard on that on that post. What was he trying to do? Was he trying to get hard away? I mean, I don't. Or he just just went into it hard and messed up. It was weird. That was weird. Very weird. And and
0: yeah, because so. I I think I think people thought and maybe even the announcers thought that he could have had a concussion at that point, and that would have changed the match a lot if he did. And there were some weird things too. Like I don't know why Jericho
1: would powerbomb him on the, on the time cubes table with the bell still on. Bell. The, the bell was right there. It just that was scary because that could have been you know he hit his head, back his head on that and you know that could cause a lot of serious serious damage so um it, it was some tense moments in the match uh, I thought Jericho looked really good uh, I thought you know I thought Mox looked really good I I enjoyed it I, I and it's cool to give the crowd a big moment like this and a big title change and huge reaction um, the promo was good. I love when they they cut off his they, they hit his music to cut him off and he got hey what the hell you know it's, <laughs> said something else but what is he like Stevie Wonder at the Grammys <laughs> I guess so <laughs> that's a great one uh, <laughs> it's you know I just thought that was that was funny I thought something was gonna happen but you know let's end the show happy right Let that, I, I'm
0: also not a, I'm not against that too yeah I mean we thought maybe Lance Archer comes out or mm-hmm. something but no they're they're gonna save that for probably uh, on Wednesday but I still I still think it's gonna be a shorter reign
1: in we expect i think because like i said there's the title belt the championship is important right it's an important thing it's not just a prop i mean it, if booked correctly and, and importance on it it could draw you, you you know money mm-hmm. but there's also certain people that don't need the belt for a long periods of time they should win it because they should win it so the people believe they can win it right um, like, you know, guys like The Undertaker, you know, he's his own gimmick, right? He doesn't need the belt. Sting, that's why he didn't have long runs because, you know, even past the first one is because he was a gimmick in himself, right? He didn't need it. So I think or Mox doesn't need it long period of time either so i, I can see mjf winning and i think mjf would be a perfect guy to be the heel champion a long-term champion that's gonna people chasing him and he you know wins by the skin of his teeth so uh mox and mjf uh, i i can't wait for that match if, if that's the direction they're going
0: i think i think that's it uh you know we're gonna be back on our normal slot of uh of of uh, Friday morning, we we record on Thursday night and we 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 put it out there Friday morning, but uh, but yeah, so you know we were able to do a, a little bit of a bonus show this week because of this pay per view and for the rest of uh, the rest of these shows uh, we're gonna do you know probably lots of stuff on WrestleMania and you know there's a UFC show next weekend as well, so we'll we'll chit chat about that, but uh, yeah, from here I think th- I think that's it. And so- two two big Wednesday night shows this week coming up. We got two
1: cage matches on NXT TV. Um it's going to be interesting to see how
0: they do the ratings on that sh- that week. Would, would okay, be can can I can I quickly say that I'm not that excited about the uh, the dream and Roddy in a cage? Well, yeah, you can. I'm just saying
1: I'm just saying like it's their you know NXT is building to a, a big match for their show which which you know perfect counter television for you know coming back from AEW's you know after the pay-per-view so I'm interested that's what I like to see I like to see what people do to counter each other and
0: and, uh, it's
1: always interesting to me and so I'm looking forward to both it's gonna you know Wednesday nights are my favorite nights of the week when you know for television so
0: absolutely and uh, we are the winners all of us all our wrestling fans All right. so uh, for John I am Double G we will see you when we see you peace out